This is the Monday Nooner Podcast, brought to you by... Healthy Eyes Optometry and Dr. Sean Fleming with two locations in Regina. Get your eyeballs checked at Healthy Eyes Optometry in Harbor Landing and on Rochdale. High Tech Profiles, the locally owned and operated steel processor serving the agricultural, mining, construction, oil and gas and creative industries. Serving Western Canada and the Northern U.S. for over 25 years. High Tech is your 24-7 solution to ensure that you meet your deadlines. Sports Clips in Regina. You need your salad cut and want to do it while watching sports? Why wouldn't a guy? Get your full VIP treatment, including the deadly steam towel and scalp massage at Sports Clips Regina. Dave Price Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon. Your hard-working specialist that'll get your home or land sold. If you're looking to buy, get Dave Price at Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon working for you. Why wouldn't a guy? Hey, this is Jeff Hodges from Spiles, Saskatchewan. When I'm not feeding cows, I'm listening to the Monday Nooner. Well, Hodges is into a fight here against Domi. Two guys will love to throw him, and Hodges gets the right hands and gets Domi down. Hodges chased him all over the rink and finally got him to drop his glove. So Hodges should get the instigator if the referees were watching. And oh, he got tagged with a right hand. Two fights have broken out at the same time. Rodgers and Dolby, the main event. Rodgers, oh, and now Dolby down with a right hand. And Dolby right hand by Rodgers. She never thought I'd be a star. Welcome to all the degenerates and pigeons tuned in. Welcome to twirl number 34 of the Monday Nooner podcast. Once again, brought to you by our brand new title sponsor, Rosetown Mainline Motors. Of course, your number one rural GM dealer in Saskatchewan. And also brought to you by Mainline Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram in Rosetown, Sask. Happy to have them on board. They've got some unbelievable specials going on there in Rosetown. We'll talk about that. In just a little bit, but first off, going to uh, introduce you to the gents here this week. I'm not sure, uh, first off, if he's got a story about passing gas this week, but we all know he's full of shit regardless. Uh, Sean Kindop, how you doing this week? No, it's good to be back. Uh, just wish we were at Realty One, because looking at you guys over a mic, I can't take you serious with your duster and belts. I don't know what the fuck he's trying to grow, but yeah. I actually anyway. enjoy- I actually enjoy you quite a bit more when we're not in the same room. I don't know if it's a coincidence or just the way things are in 2021 uh, with the COVID stuff and everything over Zoom, but uh, nice to see you again. Kindro, Belter, how you doing? See, so you got the hat on this week, so we're not going to uh, go down that road to kick off the show, but... Yeah, buddy. You know, uh, I'm having a good time. Kinner's trying to chirp in there. We muted his mic. But uh, yeah, I know. Happy to be here. Glad that the uh, back for another week. And the show's going to be good. Show is really good. Interview's going to be awesome. And uh, let's go. I can't wait. Shink, nice to see you, I guess, via Zoom again this week. Yeah, right on, boys. Uh, nice to be back, of course. We always give a plug here. The podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory. And you know what? It's almost a sponsor this week, Boz. We were really close to locking him down. 
green painter's tape. You know, it, there was so much buzz on the social media last week. If, if you guys don't follow us on social media and you listen to the pod, you're not going to get this. But Belter put up a brand new, awesome-looking Monday Nooner flag behind him. We'll, send, we'll put another picture out. And his heart was in the right place. He put green painter's tape. That's how we hung it. And we had no idea how many people noticed it right off the hop and then started japping Belter heart. But, buddy, like your your heart was in the right place. You were totally, like we talked about in another episode, you were totally that guy that he sees the young kids wearing the jeans and the sport coat. And he's like, I can pull that off. So he puts the Kirkland jeans and then the big baggy sport coat. It doesn't really work. But his heart's in the right place. So... You're, you're, well, and you're, you're going to live and die by this green tape now, you said, Belts, right? That's all right. Let's go. You know, I'm not taking it down. I was going to put some pins in. My wife says, I don't think so. And, hey, like I said, I know my place. I know my role. Uh, you know, she's working at the hospital, oh, those OT shifts, and uh, she's feeding me supper. So I know my role. I'm not going to scratch up the walls. And uh, painter's tape stand, boys. So let's go. Shout out to a gal named uh, Foxworthy Nicole who actually pointed that out on Twitter. Uh, she got a bunch of likes. She pointed that out, and then people were uh, japping you pretty good. So shout out to her on Twitter. <laughs> All right, what's coming up on the program this week, you ask? And, of course, the come up always for Realty One and Joel Trap. That's Trap with two Ps. Hey, actually, a little tidbit before we get into this. Joel Trap can probably tell you, or Rob Peterson, Dave Price up in Saskatoon, our realtor of choice, one listing in Waskasu. He just listed it. 24 hours so the cabin the the cabin biz right now is buzzing and we're in january so if you're thinking about buying a cabin anywhere down south or you're looking to sell you know we talked about it before joel trap not going to show up with his shirt unbuttoned to his uh, mid mid chest region with a bunch of dracar noir on solid realtor gets it done drives a truck not a cheese ball Trap with two Ps. Find them on the internet. Joel Trap at Realty One. The interview this week is going to be, oh my, from Spy Hill, Saskatchewan. Talk about a guy who has chucked knuckles, taken a lot, given a lot. Captain of the San Jose Sharks. That's a really cool story we're going to get into. Still plays senior hockey at 51 years old with his son, Jeff Odgers, is going to join us. We're going to talk about uh, Belter's hunting and fishing segment and tirade. That's always a crowd favorite. Shoutouts for Synergy AG. We're going to do that. For the Senior Hockey Soiree and Freeze Tallman Lumber, Josh Miller, Milzy, Visor Guy, he's going to join us. We're going to go through the all-decade team from the Highway Hockey League. So that'll be interesting. And then, yeah, just we got a new segment that we're going to uh, introduce as well. Belts, you want to boss Belts? What do you guys want to fill the crowd in on what's coming up there? You want to go, Boz? It's kind of your idea. Well, I think it all goes back to uh, actually the first time this was ever said on the podcast was like in July. But when we were doing the holiday best of show, I was lucky enough to uh, take the best parts from the episode we did live at Wix. And I found an awesome little soundbite that I kind of started saying. And it uh, was, take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. Yeah, I kept saying it the Christmas episode and you guys are like, will you stop saying take a seat, son? And I don't know, you guys can probably chime in on this, but we all started saying it. And now people are, are saying it everywhere. It's basically evolved into its own limited corporate company to take a seat, son. <laughs> Hey, my daughter said it this morning on the way to school, but she totally hacked it up. She was like, 
go go sit down, son. I was like, See, my, I was like, what? <laughs> Sam's got over and try to walk it. to school. Sam's got it really good. He's got it pretty down pat, but it's take a seat, Dad. And it's just like a quick one. Like we might have to get we might have to get him to do a little voiceover for us. So then, yeah, Boz has this idea of kind of incorporating it into the show. And if anybody's watched, uh, is it Monday Night Football uh, that they do the You've Got Mossed or no? Sorry, Come On Man. They do. Come on, yeah. man. They do Come On Man. It's kind of like that, but kind of not, I guess. So yeah, what we wanted, better. what we want, yeah, way better. What we want to do on the show is we'll talk, you know, tell a story or whatever, or talk about somebody who did something that uh, we think is worthy of taking a seat. So take a seat, son. The new feature is called take a seat, son, and a partner that wanted to jump on board with that too. Yeah. I can't wait to introduce them today. Why don't you guys give them a plug Uh, right now? It's our show. The rusty shovel is going to be the new sponsor of the take a seat, son episode. Local landscaping company in Regina. We'll talk about them a little more when we uh, intro into the episode. But uh, yeah, as far as that goes, I'm really looking forward to it. And as we mentioned, uh, guys, our title sponsor, Rosetown Mainline Motors, and of course, Rosetown uh, Mainline Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. They are the king of trucks in Rosetown. It's worth the drive every time, guaranteed. Make sure you check them out. And they've got lots of cool promotions going on right now, too. Yeah, you know what, boys? What's fun about this one, it's not even really like a sponsor read. It's just a story because this stuff is pretty deadly and you want to get into this. This month is your last chance where you can get entered into the Sunday ticket that Mainline has. You purchase any new or pre-owned vehicle at either the Chrysler dealership or the GM dealership. You and three friends can go to any regular season NFL game. You get to choose and you get to go on a PJ. What's a PJ? A private jet. So you get. Why to- wouldn't a guy? You get to choose next year what NFL game you want to go to. Any new or used vehicle. Uh, also, don't forget, Costco members receive your additional $1,000 bonus at the purchase of any new 2021 GMC Sierra or Chev Silverado. And then across the street, if you're going to go see the Chrysler boys, 0% financing up to 90 freaking six months on Ram 1500 DT models. 96 months, 0%. I was just uh, thinking about that. That's a long time. I actually, uh, humble brag here, just paid off my vehicle and I figured out how much interest I paid, guys, over the last six years uh, with the situation I was previously in. And let's just say it was a decent amount of money. I could have got a new couch and recliner probably uh, just with the interest I paid. It's such a good deal that Evander Kane will be good enough to go and get loans by the time he's done paying off that vehicle after filing for bankruptcy. You know what the other thing that uh, the Chrysler Dodge Jeep store had was uh, the Jeeps. There's some pretty sick deals on Jeeps right now. So anyway, Rosetown Mainline, both dealerships, the Chrysler or the GM, King of Trucks, go in there, any New Year's vehicle, enter to win a trip geez, for you and three buddies on a private jet next year. Just seriously look at your vehicle and, and do some soul searching. Check your, you know, where are you in life? You probably need a new, because the one thing you, you really need in is, especially when it's cold in the winter, is solid automobile. A solid automobile. You don't want to be breaking, you don't want to be breaking down on the freeway guy. Going to be an absolute uh, heater. Can you imagine after like two years of not going anywhere and you get a buzz on a private jet? Unreal. With three buddies. Oh, my goodness. Thanks, Mainline Boys. We'll give you another plug later. It's a fantastic uh, operation they have. 
Hey guys, time for the last show recap, of course, brought to you by Cathedral Electric, our friend Dave Spooner and his crew serving Regina and area, honest pricing, good guys, anything you need, whether it's uh, on the farm, the cottage, wherever Cathedral Electric would be more than happy to help you out. They're on social media, Facebook, Twitter. You can also just Google Cathedral Electric and uh, get a hold of Spoons, the Spoon Man. And yeah, uh, he'll the be able Spoon to Man. Help you, you out. He won't. I think we got to add that song to it a little bit, Buzz. We got to get a little, uh, little radio edit in there, and also General Procedures, Saskatchewan, the no needle, no scalpel vasectomy in Regina and Saskatoon. General Procedures, Saskatchewan.ca for more info. But I'll tell you what, boys, when I go get snipped, which I probably should very soon, I'm gonna have to hit up General Procedures because I will not be getting a scalpel down there. And you can edit a song in, maybe what, what you put it like Love Bites or something. Uh, edit for uh, Dental Procedures after the Spoon Man. Bill yeah, Willie, yeah, Belter. <laughs> if you don't go and see them, for starters, I don't know how you don't have a vasectomy. Like you're you're done with kids. You it, the dream the game's over that way, and you it's just like oh my, you have to go. No needle, no scalpel. Anyway, we get into it. It and feels so good. You should pay them. <laughs> I'm soft as baby shit, boys. So that's why I need the gentle procedure. Uh, last show we already talked about uh, some real good. Some real uh, decent feedback on the uh, green painters tape at Belters, but uh, the interview uh, Jarrett stole numbers went through the roof just like we thought they would. Uh, just a real sasky weapon, man. Some of his stories, like I just can't even imagine running in that crew and being uh, being being associated with him. Well, I felt like such a dipshit. Like you listen to the guy talk and the people that he's golfed with. So you're like, I got a list of questions because I don't talk a ton. I'm like, I got to f- ask who is, you know, who is dream foursome was. But then you realize like you're laying in bed and you're like, I just asked a guy who golfs with JT and Tom Brady, who is ideal foursome and be felt like a loser. Yeah. He's like, I've pretty much played with everybody I could want to. Yeah. there's your t- any- he, He's going to take a seat. And he's got lots of buddies that listen. And I heard that he was actually prepared for the vino question. Like buddies had said, there's a guy who's going to ask you what your favorite wine is. And then you didn't ask. So, uh, <laughs> You're such totally a disappointment, Kinner. <laughs> oh, easy. Take your hat off. We'll see what the disappointment is. <laughs> Listen, I don't know how many times we can tee you up and you still can't knock it down. <laughs> yeah, story of my life. Uh, anyway, Jared still. Might... <laughs> Sorry, you guys still want to go? <laughs> No, I said what I need to say on that. <laughs> yeah, no, he <laughs> was uh, he was fantastic, and and just the answers and and Aaron Andrews, you know, that was it was so cool. And then Paco, of course, stepping up and kind of pioneering the senior hockey all decade teams. We got another one coming up this week, like we said, the Josh Miller is going to join us and uh, do the Highway Hockey League one. So yeah, no, it was a solid show and. The Elk Ridge, you know, we got some feedback on, on guys asking if we're going to do that again. So, yeah, all in all, it was a long show, but it was pretty cool. So that was the last show recap for Spoons and Cathedral Electric in Regina and area and Gentle Procedures, Saskatchewan.ca, no needle, no scalpel, vasectomies. Shout out time, guys. I love this part of the episode. Honestly, I think I look forward to it uh, as much as anything on the show and get a chance to highlight some of the awesome people that listen or whatever the story is, but shout outs for synergy AG, your local crop input retailer in Saskatchewan, the the, uh, calendars flipped over. So farmers, when it's time to, 
look at putting the crop in the ground when it comes to your inputs and soil and plant analytics. Make sure you check out the weapons at Synergy AG. They're invested in Saskatchewan. They've got locations all over, Belcaris, Lumsden, Pence, Yorkton, Govan, Provost. Check them out, Synergy AG. I'll start the shout-outs, boys. And again, we posted it on our social media. I think it was on the Twitter and it was a group of weapons, NOD boys here in Regina. They were playing ODR hockey on a Friday night. I think they started about 8 o'clock, and they had this unbelievable boombox, or whatever the kids are calling it nowadays, one of those construction site deals. And they were playing like the old school George Strait and some good 90s country. And, and I look at the, and I'm like, well, these kids are, you know, just probably 17, 18 years old. So shout out to those guys. And then one guy tweeted us back on the show. So they must listen somehow, some way. But I thought that was pretty cool. They, you know what? They probably were, they had to be 19 ish because they, they were sucking back a few uh, 016s on the rink. But shout out to those guys. That was pretty cool. Shout out to Don Bailey, who listens to us in Boston. Listens to us raking leaves last week in the Boston area. I'm like, oh, at least we weren't shoveling snow. Thanks, Donnie, for listening. And uh, Ty Cavers and Ryan Ulmer, grade eight fellas at St. Joseph at school. I know they listen on and on. The parents let them listen and the parents listen. So shout out to those guys. Just going to backtrack. I think those guys on the ODR are like mid-20s. So they're going to hear that and be like, this guy said we were maybe 19. They'll be telling the old man Shinkrook to take a seat. But uh, anytime they want to see some dangles, let me know. We'll so be out there. I need the story there. Were you, did somebody send that to you? Were you out there? Like, I was curious how that I happened. I went, I went to pick up Roman. I went. Oh, he uh, was twirling with him. Yeah. No, he was twirling before with, uh, there was a bunch of kids out there. So I dropped him off at about six o'clock and there was a bunch of moms and I was like, well, you guys got this. And then, so I went and crushed uh, a few pints at, uh, at an, the tap. And then I went back and got Rome's. And then that's when I saw, I saw the uh, the soiree there that the boys had going on. So yeah, you know what, the Monday Nooner boys, if they, there was a full goalie too. We could get spoons or uh, phlegms suited up. We'll take those guys on. Why wouldn't a guy? I got a shout out to a good buddy of mine, Rob Donald. And I work with Rob, and you know what? We've been chatting a lot this week about collectibles. He's a big hockey collectible guy. And you guys laugh about it. This Rob's got about 80 jerseys. It's pretty crazy. And I've really gotten into this in the last few weeks because I'm bored because of COVID. And Kinner's got his hand up. Put your hand out. Take a seat. Huh? You showed him your quarter collection. You hey, listen, it, I'm giving a shout out to my buddy, Rob. Super guy. He's helped me out with a few non-purchases. Didn't waste my money. I'm still trying to get Shink. Uh, Minnesota North Stars Medano. We're still working on it. So anyway, that's my shout out this week. Rob Donald, good buddy of mine from Regina. Before I forget, though, you did leave your rock collection and your 1989 quarter collection with the pennies from 1993. But I'll give you those two whenever you want. My quarter mint condition. You're getting right into the collectibles, though. I'm following you on social media. It's like every day there's a new jersey. And then uh, was it, uh, I guess, Dr. Sean Fleming, official optometrist of the podcast. You guys were just loving this Calgary Flames. Was it a jersey? Cal and, and, then, yeah. and then you guys are both picking the Flames to do well in the NHL this year. And I'm like, these guys are like, I, pretty soon there'll be pictures of both of you guys naked in a bathtub, like, and hanging out. And you know what? And Paco will be there taking pictures because he knows how much I go see Flames every uh, <laughs> and, and you know what? 
boys today i was cleaning my glasses i got a big scratch on her so guess where i gotta go the next few days <laughs> dr sean fleming and and on that note to paco i actually just picked up my wife said you should probably go get your eyes checked so i get my eyes checked phlegm goes can you read this yeah can you read this yeah can you read this i was like Oof. i think we're in deeper water than we thought so i said to him i said i think it's either a t an f or a p that one might be an o a c or a d long story short needed glasses got them from phlegm Thanks so much. I was going to jap you about that off the start because I know if one of us came with glasses, you'd ride that for about two months. But uh, four eyed little geeks. <laughs> <laughs> look good. They look good. Shout out oh. to uh, Flems. I got a couple shout outs here. Uh, if you guys don't have any more, a uh, friend of ours, I think he's an educator. He spends some time at the Royal Regina, Mickey Panko, who listens to the show, messaged us, said he, he uh, bought a jerky in the box package because we talked about it and he said it sounded so good that he placed his order for jerky in a box. So he's going to have snacks around the school for a couple of weeks for sure. Uh, so shout out to him. He should get that for a gift. Anybody listening that Mick Panko is a teacher principal. I forget what Mickey does. Uh, you can, that there's a perfect gift for him come June. Yeah, you bet. Check it out. Jerky in a box. That's through our friends at uh, Drake meets good guys there. Uh, I also, we kind of missed this last week. Well, we didn't miss it. It actually came out after we recorded, but I just wanted to give a shout out to Warren Woods, who's a uh, Saskatchewan broadcaster who's fighting, uh, battling after being diagnosed with COVID. He's he's on the man. There's a GoFundMe that I think got up to over 65 grand, and I know he's got a long road ahead uh, to recover. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are sports fans and they know Warren Woods' name. So, just wanted to uh, send some uh, shout outs and positive thoughts to Woodsy. Good Wood, guy. Old Woodpile. Yeah. It's I uh, probably won't see him at the golf course this year, but hopefully the following year he's back out there. Yeah. I'm good to see everybody doing that for Woodsy and donate if you can. Oh, we, you know, one thing we do have to mention before we could probably put this in the shout out segment, the trappers, a uh, friend of the program, they are having their NH. If you're looking for an NHL draft, and you haven't been able to get in one yet, and you want to chuck some bills around, the uh, Trappers baseball team, they have a draft. It's pretty simple. I just look them up on the socials, Boz, or how can these people get a hold of the Trappers? Yeah, the uh, I guess the sense of urgency here is that this is coming out on Thursday, and the deadline is Friday mm. for them, for that draft. So they if you're hearing this to... on Thursday, the day we release, get, uh, get buzzing, get on social media, look them up. I think their Twitter handle is... At Regina Trappers, they can probably extend it. It's fifty-six games. It's not like a guy's going to win it in the first week. I'm actually telling the Trappers right now, extend it for a bit. And uh, yeah, you know what? And or you can message Matt Miller. A lot of people know Matt Miller, and get him to tell the badminton story from Wick's cabin. Yeah, good badminton. <laughs> Former badminton provincial champion. Just ask him. Ask him what his favorite Team Canada moment. Is he in the rafters though? Is he in the Actually, rafters? Actually, he went to high school where I went to uh, high school, but I went about 10 years later. And I remember seeing the provincial champion, Matt Miller, boys, singles, badminton. So he, technically he is in the rafters. Yeah, yes. he's in the rafters. Swings a big wrench and Wilkie, Suck boys. it, silly. Um, hey, let's, uh, while we're talking about the, was it the Trappers? Baseball season's coming up. Slow pitch season's coming up. Everybody sees that slow pitch guy at the gym right now. He's there lifting the heavies, doing 50 sets of 50, getting ready. Our friends at Great Western Brewing just want to remind everybody that the deal still works if your ball team this year is going to be looking, or maybe your golf course, golf club, 
golf men's night, whatever. If you guys are looking for a beer deal, get in touch with us, DMS, Great Western Brewing. So many uh, beverages that you buy from the guys, there's going to be some sort of uh, deal that you can cut with them. We're, we're only allowed to say so much, but connect the dots. You're not stupid. Um, Great Western Brewing, 016, fantastic local product. And, yeah, ball season and all that's right around the corner. So start thinking about your ball team crushing some GWs or 016s this year. A quick question, Barn. Can they get in on the seltzer deal too? Like can they drink the cranberries and the peaches or that just the beers? That's a really good question, and I'm sure we'll drop this Thursday morning. And by Thursday at 9 a.m., we'll have an answer. I, I can't answer it right now. Can't imagine the guys I played hockey with drinking seltzers, but uh, it's the I don't drink seltzers guy. But he does drink seltzers when he's not around the boys. Let's be honest. You haven't drank all week, you said, for except sure. we've seen you crush a seltzer for sure. So that doesn't even count, right? <laughs> I'm not drinking. No during booze the week. guy. Not drinking during the week for at least January. Or unless oh, you good. drop your kid off at the rink and go to the tap. That was a Friday. Yeah. That was a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> After you see the moms and you go guzzling. That was a Friday, and that was my one night to drink. I uh, I take that back. I enjoy a nice seltzer, and I could see uh, hockey teams guzzle them after. You know, we talked uh, last week. Maybe you're trying to cut back on how many cows you put in. Well, uh, why wouldn't your team get the original ultras? I think they're like 80 calories per per beer kind of thing. So that's another good option for teams as well. Maybe you could guzzle try. 12 and be under 1,000 calories. Let's go. All right. Newest segment on the podcast. The Take a seat, son. Is it the take a seat, son, boss, or whatever? How are we going to this? Just, just take a seat, son. It's. I think it's just take a seat, son. Okay, let's take good. a seat, son. Let's roll with take a seat, son, for the Rusty Shovel Landscape Shop, your local landscape and design shop in Regina and area. If you got a landscape project you've been thinking about, you can get a quick ballpark quote just by snapping a couple pictures and taking a few measurements. Ooh, that's pretty cool, and submitting it online at the RustyShovel.ca slash quote so you can go online and you'll figure out where the quote part is why wouldn't a guy get a quote sitting on the deck paving stones retaining walls underground sprinklers artificial turf which was hot last year and more they got it all the rusty shovel you can find them behind staples at 680 anger street here in regina or just go online and they can ship and uh, move this stuff around so regina and area another local sponsor the beauty boys at the rusty shovel Hey, boys, and you know, why would you not want to sit in your deck, drink a few beers, blip, quote in, quote back, and you know exactly what your project's going to cost. Anyway, love the boys down at Rusty Shovel. Glad they're supporting this. But my take a seat, son, this week, we got to start with Evander Kane. How do you make 50-some-odd million dollars and you're that pigeon that's got to claim bankruptcy? They said the San Jose Sharks were told by him to win. They were making payments to a bank that he told them finally he said to withhold it because he was that broke and bankruptcy. Like garnishing Sean. his wage? Yeah. Well, I don't know how, how it was working, but I, I read about it this week that something happened with the bank. The bank was, or the sharks were told to stop making payments to this bank. And then three days later, he's bankrupt. How, how do you go bankrupt? How are you that bad with your money? Sean, I think you got a picture <laughs> of why. 
Yeah, and the poor guy, no, not poor guy, fuck him. But he's got a stack, he's got a big stack of money with a hundred on the outside with a whole bunch of ones on the inside, talking on a cell phone, pretending he's looking at an iPad from a Vegas penthouse. Take a seat. Take a seat, son. That was Uh, that that was who is he pretending to call? Was it Floyd Mayweather? That whole story when he was in Vegas and he had the bills and he was like, Mayweather, call me or something like that. I forget. It was a few years ago. Sean, you know that or Cameron Okalita. I don't even know. Well, now we all know why he wants to fight Jake Paul. Exactly. Take a seat, son. Jake Paul just sent him wrench pictures this morning. (laughs) (laughs) The Brinks truck just sent the Brinks truck over. Load your shit up, Evander. Uh, okay, so mine is a little bit political here. Uh, if you go, you know, the, the family that they say they're going to see their uh, relatives in Calgary and they all show up at the airport with the kids and then they go, surprise, we're going to Disneyland, right? That happens all the time. So that shit is going down in Canada, in my opinion, right now. The liberal government is saying, yeah, we're looking like late. 2021 for the vaccines it's going to be like december it's going to be late we don't have enough vaccines but then johnson and johnson and astrazeneca whatever the other company is they're coming online too there's going to be nothing but vaccines to get out so the government is slow playing us or they're just pulling our chains they're saying wait you're going to have to wait so long and then they're going to call this election and right around the time they call that spring election it's going to be vaccine city. They're going to, oh, my God. And then you know why? Because they want, then everyone's going to go, oh, my God, what a great government. Look how fast they got this done. No, it's all the plan. Your parents knew all along they were taking you to Disneyland. You thought they were kind of cool parents, and then they're the best parents in the world. And then this government, oh, they're kind of cool. At least they're giving us the vaccine. But when it comes in June, they're going to be the best government in the world. Canadians, wake up. This is such an easy play. I got a grade 12 education and a garbage college degree, and I can figure this out. Justin Trudeau. Take a seat, son. And I got one more. Take a seat, son. And going to keep this one short and sweet. Anybody that uh, thought going to Cracker's Lounge between December 23rd and January 4th to go in a karaoke singing contest, because that was priority for you. You couldn't just sing in the shower. Take a seat, son. What are you doing? Take a seat, son. Chucking out some sweet Caroline. Why wouldn't a guy? That note, belts. You belted out sweet Caroline. I just quickly uh, was thinking about this today. Um, Let's get into that a little bit. Like, say it's not in the middle of a pandemic and you want to go in a singing contest at a lounge. Um, You have four minutes to sing a song, to win a singing competition, to get the crowd on their feet. What is your go-to song, Belts? Obviously, I just sung it, but I think that one gets the crowd fired up. Kenner's laughing at me, but hey, I'm telling you what, it's a fan favorite. Let's let's hear. Let's have a Twitter poll on this after this thing drops, and let's see what the top would be. I'm guarantee you, I'm going to be right there, Kenner. What do you got? A little Gloria Gaynor, I will survive. I actually can't see you ever singing karaoke, like. I cannot see you, Kindro, getting up. More, more of a lip sync battle kind of guy because I got my voice is dog shit. Shink. Uh, oof. if I got, you know what, my go-to has been the last couple of years, and of course you, you do Enrique. When you, when you do it when you're buckled, and I did it in Nashville and Vegas, and it wasn't totally bad. With so you got to have another guy with you though. Crisscross jump because it's pretty easy. You don't have to sing it, and you wrap it. And if you're in the right demographic. 
it's actually pretty good. But I once I tried in Jamaica to do uh, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton Island in the Stream with another dude. Oh my lord, is that awful? You, you, Great he, tune though. Yeah, Great exactly. Tune. Right, you go in with the right kind, of like the painter's tape. Your heart's in the right spot, but then it's just like, ugh, awful. I was, I was so bad. I jammed. On, I remember jamming on some karaoke in Shink's basement with his wife, little Bon Jovi, years ago. We might have been a little buckled. We had the uh, what was that rock band? It was like an, band, an yeah. all the time thing. Rock band, rock band, yeah, and uh, hungry like a wolf. Duran Duran. You guys, style. you guys are missing the the go to, the easiest ones. And by the way, that's what I used to do when we used to do karaoke at our company Christmas parties. You just do a quick Google. Easy karaoke songs to sing that are going to get people going. But my go-to, Garth Brooks, Friends in Low Places. I mean, you're with a crowd that's guzzling. You get the crowd to do it with you. It's an automatic hit. Definite go-to. So I'd be interested to see what people think if they want to chime in on Twitter and let us know. I can't wait to see that, Boz. I think it's going to be good. I knew they were going to be a bit of a wagon. Hey guys, and some quick love for 22 Fresh. Of course, a couple months back, we ordered those sticks and gas hoodies. All of our listeners that ordered one, they're going to be coming real soon, and we look forward to you posting a picture uh, wearing that weapon of a hoodie up on social media. Can't wait to see it. And of course, anybody else shopping at 22 Fresh, Monday Nooner discount code going to save you 15% at checkout when ordering online. Just use the promo code Monday Nooner. And like I said, save 15% on your order with 22 Fresh. Why wouldn't a guy? She's interview time. And the official interview sponsor of the Monday Nooner podcast is Kent Bittner and Bittner Mortgages. 20 years experience in the mortgage game, Kent and his team. They're going to take care of you. Are you seriously going to a bank to get a mortgage in this day and age. Mortgage brokers aren't a new thing. They save you money. They make it easier. You don't have to beg and all that. So Kent Bittner, Bittner Mortgages, look them up. They're going to save you some money. Trust me. And uh, thanks to Bittner for sponsoring us. So now time for the interview. All right. So the guest this week, more than 800 games in the National Hockey League is a captain for the San Jose Sharks. But uh, one thing our listeners are going to enjoy, he is a diehard when it comes to senior hockey in the province. In fact, he still laces them up from time to time. From Spy Hill, Saskatchewan, Jeff Rogers. Jeff, thanks for uh, hopping on with us. We appreciate it. Well, it's good to be on, boys. Heard lots about you guys. You guys kind of uh, taking Sasky by storm. So good deal. Proud of you guys. Right on. And we want to talk about uh, some of the senior stuff in that because I know you're still involved. But what we like to do with these interviews is kind of, uh, you know, work through a little bit of uh, some Sasky guys and I guess their story and, and uh, how they develop. So take us back to, to I guess, uh, when you were a kid. You, you grew up in Spy Hill, Saskatchewan. Is that where you played minor hockey? Yeah. No, that's where I played. And then it's a real small town. We farm just outside of it. So there's only... At its peak, maybe like 300, 350 people in the town, even smaller now. But so I played here pretty much full time till Pee Wee. And then back then you could play up and you could play at other towns. So there was lots of uh, times where I'd play on six different teams, you know, during the year, the surrounding towns like Estherage and Langeberg and Rokenville, all those towns. So, uh, yeah, there's no shortage of ice time and no shortage of uh, playing, that's for sure. So who are some of the guys uh, you played with when you were growing up or uh, who were some of the, the studs? Because we love asking guys about uh, some of their memories of, of other guys they lined up with or against. 
Well, actually, this area, we had quite a few guys. We had, uh, well, Killer Kaminsky lived in uh, Church Bridge, about 30 miles down the road. We're the same age. So we went at it every year. Uh, some of the other guys, Ed Sawatsky was up the road in Langeberg. Uh, Kelly Bookberger, also from Langeberg, he was a couple years older. Uh, we had Theron Flurry right across the border uh, in Russell. Uh, you know, so we had lots of guys here. Patty Falloon came a little bit later, but he's quite a bit younger. So we had, you know, lots of guys, even that Camsack area, Darren Schwartz, uh, another guy, Alan Wantoli, that was unbelievable as a, you know, the minor hockey guy. So every small town had a, a guy that was, uh, you know, could really play and you kind of battled against. Any, any runs that you remember, you know, in those minor years, like any provincial runs or big provincial games that you guys got involved in? Oh, let me tell you about the provincial runs. PWC, I tell you what, <laughs> teamed up with uh, Killer Kaminsky. We were we were teammates, and uh, they picked up. Uh, I was from Spy Hill. We had another couple of guys from Langeberg. We combined. We went. We played Hudson Bay uh, in the finals, and uh, you know we went up there. I think we won game one, like eight six, and we came back and uh, kind of hammered on them at home. But uh, you know, I still remember that stuff like it was yesterday. Uh, Gene Dom, a guy that was, uh, you know, our coach. And, you know, it's funny. I can't remember a lot of the stuff my first couple of years in the National Hockey League, but I can remember that run in Wee like it was yesterday. So, uh, no, still see <laughs> lots of those guys around here today. So, uh, yeah, that's my uh, claim to fame when I was a kid, PWC Division Championship. <laughs> that's 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 so uh so awesome so why blazers and not uh AAA anywhere else why did you end up in saskatoon well as a 15 year old i went to yorkton which is only an hour down the road and they cut me so my first year midget i get cut so i go play double a in in Esterhazy. uh you know have a pretty good year and then uh well killer again kaminsky he's playing for the blazers in saskatoon because he's blades property so they say, well, why don't you come up to Saskatoon for the spring camp with us? So I went to Saskatoon Blazers camp. I had a good spring camp, and they pretty much told me I made the team. I never heard from Yorkton again. So there she goes. Started playing trip playing in Saskatoon, moved up there, moved away from home, grabbed the billet, and there I was. Who coached that Blazers team? Uh, Kenny Johnston. And, you know, on that team, we had Curtis Lecician, who was a first-round draft pick. We had Kevin Chevaldeoff, who was a first-round draft pick. Uh, we had, you know, Killer. Uh, we we had other guys like six seven guys that went on to play in the in the Western Hockey League. David Dave Struish was on that team. Dean Haline was on that team. Uh, Scotty Reddle, McIntosh. You could just go up and down the list. We had a lot of guys went on to play a lot of games of junior on that team. So I was just going to uh, quickly jump here. I heard it was around that time, and we'll get back into those days. But you came home and you played a game of senior around that time, nineteen eighty four. Uh, you played your first senior game. Is that true? And what do you remember about that? Actually, it was it was the year before. I was playing the double-A midget. And so you could, you know, card up and play senior. And the local senior team was, you know, the Spile Hilltops, which was our team. And it was, uh, like, that Great was my name. NHL. You know, that was, if I was going to finish off my career, if I made the Spile Hilltops and got to play, that was the pinnacle of it. Uh, I got to play on a line with my two uncles, which is pretty cool. So I was 15 years old playing senior hockey on a line with my two uncles. That My hockey career would have ended right there. It would have been done. I would have been satisfied right there. I, I'd hit my peak right there. So it was <laughs> it was pretty cool. As you guys know, like, especially back when I was a kid, senior hockey was it. Like, that's what you live for. Like, you, everybody's at the rink on Saturday. It was packed. You know the small town rivalries, and it it was awesome as a kid. That's what you wanted to do. You wanted to play senior. Did they did they have did they give you a cold one after those games? Let's be honest here. Well, for sure they did. Like it's, you know, it's senior hasn't changed. No matter what age you are, if you play, you're gonna have a beer after. You might as well not even go. Was it uh, <laughs> was it Stubbies back then? Do you remember? 
Oh, for, yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think uh, I remember the first long necks. I think I was uh, probably, I don't know, grade 10, I think. And they only sold them in Manitoba. We went across the border because we could get into a bar there in Vinsgarth, Manitoba. <laughs> and uh, I think it was Miller and Budweiser had the first, uh, you know, long necks. And that was pretty cool if you could uh, get one of those pulled out of there, especially underage. So you just played the one game uh, that year with your with your uncles? On your line? Or no, was... I played a few games. Um, you know, when my schedule was allowed. So I probably played, I know, three or four games that year, you know, and then they only kind of played when they were short because they had lots of guys. So it was good. Great experience. And then, like I said, I went on to play Triple uh, A Midget next year. So I had a few years in between my next games. Jeff, you play Blazers. Then you end up in Brandon. How did how did that come up? Were you drafted, or did they just list you, or how, how did you end up in uh, with the weekend? Well, there was there was no draft back then, and it was just the old player list. You know what I mean? So if uh, it doesn't matter where you're from, they could list you. Weekings had listed a guy on that team, Kevin Shevoldayoff. You know, a guy they had listed, and so their scouts were coming to watch us play all the time. A guy named uh, Mickey Bootsman uh, from Brandon, who actually played a huge part of me, you know, having any kind of success, but. He was watching Chevy play, kind of like what he's seen with me. So he was the guy who actually scouted me, ended up putting me on uh, the Brandon Weekings protected list. So that's where that started right there. Just uh, a lot of it because of uh, them coming to watch Shovel Day off play. That first year, like it was a war back then. And you said, you know, you've listened to some of the episodes. Like when we had Theo, he talked about it. We had Kaminsky, you know, a lot of those guys talked. It was just a battle and a war. What do you maybe remember from your first year in the Western League and like going into the Crush Can or going into the old arena in Saskatoon and and some of these men that you were playing? And were you were you dropping the gloves at this point with the heavies or were you kind of standing in your weight class as a rookie? Oh no, it was it was straight into the heavies. And Brandon, like we went there that year, they weren't even sure if they were gonna have a team that year. So they they were supposed to go to Billings, but the community got together, they saved the teams, so we ended up having a team. They didn't even send anybody to the scheduling meeting. So we just got thrown wherever. So game number one of my Western Hockey League career, we're playing in Saskatoon against the Blade. And we get outshot 18 to nothing in the first period. No, no lie. That's how bad we were. We were terrible. And it's probably a good thing because it was probably one of the few junior teams I would have made. So we get through and just get shellacked. So game number two was in Prince Albert. And probably two of the toughest teams in the Western Hockey League history. So period number one in PA, I dropped the gloves with Kimball and I take a hellacious beating. But you know what? It was either stand up for yourself or die because we had nobody else on that team. We had a few guys, like we had a good group, but we didn't have a lot of toughness. That year, the guy that did most of the fighting were myself and uh, Shevel Dayoff. So I was 17, he was 16. So it was, uh, you get thrown right in the fire and there was nobody there to kind of work your way in. Like you say, with the rookies, your weight division. It was uh, it was all or nothing. So you, you learned her the hard way. So back then, Jeff, how did you approach those games when you're going in to fight guys like Kimball, you know, the next day and stuff? How did you prepare for that? How were your sleeps the night before? <laughs> there was no sleep. You know, you think back on it, like the anxiety of it was there was a lot, you know, what I mean, because you knew there was guys like like Kimball and guys like Twist and, and all those guys there that were killers, yeah, basically. So, no, we uh, we had a good group. And we had a lot of fun. So you just tried to not think about it till the game started. And then hopefully you were kind of hoping at the start, then we're going to run around or do anything. And so you wouldn't have to, but no, it was, it was hard on a young guy, especially kind of get thrown into it, but uh, it definitely toughened you up in a hurry. Toughest guy back then, maybe those first few years in the WHL. Um, I think probably twist, you know, he was, he was up there, you know, he, it was, he was always the way he punched so hard. So it, it 
if twister hit you, you were hurt. Like there was something going to break either your nose an orbital bone, whatever. I fought him later that year. And I remember he hit me right square in the beak and broke her for the first time, but I'm about six or seven, but <laughs> oh, my billet from Saskatoon was at the game. And he said he heard a crack at the top, <laughs> top of the rink. He hit me so hard, but uh, no, he was one of those guys. And then, you know, at West they had, you know, Gates had come in, uh, you and those type of guys. It was just like going into Prince Albert, you know, you, you had, Kimball, you had Dolman, you had Simpson, you had all those guys, and you go into Saskatoon, not only got Twist, but then you got Kerry Clark, you got Killer, you got Kosher, you got Chase, you got all those guys. So it was every team had like three guys like that. Did you ever fight Kaminsky? I never did. And it's not that, you know, he wouldn't have or I wouldn't have. It just was the way it kind of worked out. We never did fight. So on that topic, we were talking about this before. We've we seen a Twitter post about Killer's helmet, how he cut slits in the front of it. So if you punched and you hit him there, you cut your hand. Was that was that something common back then? Did you guys do that? Yeah, no. Uh, lots of guys did that. I even heard of guys, you know, putting screws through the helmet uh, the opposite way. So just the ends of the screws would stick out so you'd uh, tear your hands oh. off. You know, if you hit them in the helmet, all the guys, you had so much Vaseline on and then you'd put some uh, moleskin. Like those the helmets we had, they used to kind of, <laughs> the foam would come up and the edge of the helmet would cut you in the forehead. So you put moleskin all around uh, the front part of your helmet. So if it, the padding came up and you got hit so hard, it came into your head, it wouldn't crack your forehead open. So, huh. but no, there was, it was like crazy back then. Like guys were sharpening the end of their sticks. I, I heard a story about you playing in medicine hat and you get uh, sliced open and it's time for stitches. And this might've been a common thing for you, but you told the guy, just stitch me up. Don't freeze me. I got to get back out. <laughs> that happened quite a bit. You know, I did it a few times and I'd still, you think back on it now and it's like, what were you thinking? You know, in the way you're at there, either you wanted to get back or if you lost the fight in your own mind, you didn't deserve freezing, right? You, you deserved to have a little more pain. So you'd tell the doc not to freeze you up just because it, <laughs> you didn't do well in the fight. So you do better next time. How come, how come you guys really never did any damage? And like, you look at that, those teams in Brandon, you don't make any playoff runs. Like you guys, you guys are in the playoffs the one year, but, and you have some, you know, solid players. I guess it would be a young Trevor kid year last year who ended up being, uh, you know, a total weapon as far as goaltenders go you got Gullitson you know a friend of ours Bart Cote yeah uh, solid D-man yeah. back there um, you guys just Greg Hutchinson hey the guzzler yes there's another royal <laughs> is he a beauty or what I love oh. that man. well him and Cote together are just like oh <laughs> you know the, the two guys in the Muppets when they get at the Larkin at the Royal drinking <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's that's about right with those two guys and, and yeah. he, oh, do, you, do you have any you have any good stories about those guys past or present Hutch you know he, he obviously he, he worked for Molson forever so every time like when I was playing we'd come in off the road and we get together for for lunch with with Hutchie. And by the end of it, the guys I'd invite a couple of teammates to come out with me. We'd go for lunch, or whatever. And by the end of it, nobody come with me because they know what it would turn into, what kind of shift it was. And most times we had a game the next day. So, but he was just, you know, Hutchie gets sitting around and you have a couple of beers and you tell stories. And he's just, as you guys know, he is the best guy. And you just can't leave. I was going to ask about uh, Brandon. In your last two years, Doug Sauter came in and was running that team. And if, I know his sons listen to the podcast and stuff like that. And they've said, we got to get him on. What was what was he like? Any Doug Sauter stories? You know, Doug was old school, right? You know, and that's those old school coaches. And that's how he, he motivated guys. And my favorite Doug Sauter story is maybe one of the reasons why I went on to play. We were played as a 19-year-old. Had a really good year. 
you know, I don't know, I had scored like 35 goals and almost 300 penalty minutes and never got drafted. So I get invited to Minnesota North Stars camp. He's got a Wes Jackson's a good friend of his scouting for Minnesota, another good Saskatchewan guy. So I get invited to North Stars camp. So I'm getting ready to go to camp and Doug calls me in his office. I go to weekend camp and I'm leaving and uh, he calls me and he sits me down. And he says, Aji, you know what? It's great you go into camp and stuff, but honestly, nobody knows who you are. You know, you're not drafted. You don't have a contract. He says, if you're serious about making that team, you go there and you make them write your name down every time you're on the ice. And I thought, okay. So I, you know, I left and I flew off to Kalamazoo, Michigan, first ever plane ride uh, to my first ever pro camp. And the whole time I'm thinking, you know what Doug said about, you know, make them write your name down, make them write your name down. So my first scrimmage, uh, I'm lined up against uh, Basil McCray, who was uh, their captain at the time, had 300 PIMS the next, you know, the year before. And if I was ever going to make it, I was smart enough to know that that's the type of role I'd have to play. Game one, scrimmage one, they drop the puck. We're both on like the third line to go out. We have a face off. They drop the puck and I two-hand him right across the ship. And I said, let's go. So we have a bit of a fight and he's, you know, what? he's just first game off of summer and he's, he's like, what are you doing kid? Right. So then we come back out and uh, now he's mad. Like, like he's pissed. So he comes flying over uh, <laughs> challenges. We, we fight again. And then like, we didn't even have any refs on the ice. So we, the players break us up. We put our gloves back on for the face off and we end up fighting again. And we end up fighting four <laughs> times. Pierre Paget was uh, the coach at that time. So he comes flying down from the top of the rink, like half English, half French. I don't even know what he's saying, but he kicks us both off the ice. Me and Basil, he's seen enough of this kook show. You fight a guy four times, you, you got some damage done to both guys. So what do they do? They throw us in the same little training room to get stitched up. So I'm sitting there with him thinking, I'm dead. This guy's going to kill me in this room. Obviously survived it. I can attribute uh, Doug Sauter to that, starting that whole thing, just by the advice Doug gave to me. And, you know, there was guys that for years after still talked about that. So... It was probably the best thing I ever did. You end up having a pretty good career with the Wheat Kings. You score lots of goals. You're going into the draft, kind of, you got to be thinking you're going to get taken. And then I read something that one of our old guests, Barry Trotz, had kind of confirmed that they were going to take you in the sixth round uh, with Washington, and, and that never transpired. Did you ever get any reasons on, on what happened there? No. I, you know, Washington told me they were going to take me. Uh, you know, the year I went to Minnesota's camp, they told me they were going to take me. And for whatever reason, and I think the biggest, the biggest reason was probably just my skating. You know, I was not a good skater, you know, and I think that held a lot of teams back because I look at a lot of the guys that, you know, you'd like to compare yourself to uh, at that time, like you had Reed Simpson and Jim McKenzie and, and those guys were still playing in the East and they were, you know, comparable numbers and stuff, you know, a little bit bigger men, but uh, thought I could compare myself and they, you know, went like fourth, fifth round and stuff. And uh no, so the guy never got drafted. It was a little disappointing. In a in a straight up race, then you and Mike Medano, how close would it have been? <laughs> well, I could probably still see him by the time he got to the the other end of the ring. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was just tearing it up, right? Like he he was tearing it up that last year that you uh, you would have been playing him in the dub. He was that. You know what else? You talk about my first couple games. So my game two in PA, Pat Alenik had just got sent back from Winnipeg Jets camp, and Mike Medano, that was his first year there too. He was unbelievable. Even as a you know a sixteen year old, he was unbelievable. Got, a, got one little Mike Medano story for you. We were uh, year three. We we made the playoffs, and that was the year. And that you look at that team, we had four fifty goal scores. 
on the Wheat Kings. We made the playoffs by one point. So obviously we didn't play a whole lot of defense. So we go in game one in Prince Albert. Our coach, basically, he wants to turn it into a bit of a kook show right off the start. So it's line brawl after line brawl. And one of our guys gets matched up with Madano in the line brawl. So he's, you know, we got Madano, so we're going to take him out. So he ends up biting through Madano's gloves and tries, you know, biting his thumb off. <laughs> so Madano, Madano starts screaming. And, and then the guy that bit him gets scared, thinking, holy man, I'm going to get in trouble here. So in during the scum, the guy bites his own thumb so he's bleeding as well so that he could <laughs> so <laughs> true story honestly doesn't want to take the heat doesn't want to take the heat no so cuz so they both end up getting suspended for a game and poor Madano was just going, you know, the U.S. kid thinking, what is going on here? Like, this guy's trying to bite my thumb off. And then he, when he started screaming, then the guy starts biting his own thumb so he can have something to show the ref <laughs> that he bit him first. What kind of nut job place is this? So you get offered a contract, Jeff, but you get offered two contracts, right? Vancouver and San Jose. Yes. So and you chose San Jose, obviously. Was there any rationale in that decision at all? The only rationale I thought is I knew I was probably, you know, at least one or two years away from making the NHL. And I figured that I'd have a better t- chance as an expansion team, you know, th- to make it a talent pool wise. And, you know, honestly, California, <laughs> Saskatchewan, uh, why not? Right. But probably more than anything, it was just because they were uh, an expansion team. And that's why. And the only problem with that is they didn't have a team the following year. Like, so when I signed my contract, they didn't have a team. Uh, I ended up signing like a personal services contract for year number one. You go down to San Jose, obviously weather's great. They probably know absolutely nothing about hockey. Do you got any good stories where you just are like shaking your head at some people down there when, when the hockey's just brand new and they probably have no clue how the game's played? Well, they would announce the rules as we go, you know, why the whistles are, right? So they would announce offside. The fans would cheer because you relate to football, right? So if it's yeah. offside in the offensive zone, it'd be an advantage to the team. So, you know, those were, you know, some of the things that you kind of remember looking around like, really? Like, this is going on? A lot of cool things, though. Like, they had the shark chomp going on, if you ever remember that. Whenever we had a power play, they'd play the music from Jaws, and the whole crowd would be sitting there <laughs> putting their arms straight out, up and down, uh, like a shark biting so it was it was a lot of neat things too that uh, you could enjoy so the cow palace what was that place like oh man it was uh it was a, a rodeo arena is what it was made for and the seating went so far back like it only held like eleven thousand people but if you were on the top row you were way back and like there was uh the building was old sometimes when it rained people would actually get rained on inside like the leaf the roof would leak and to get to the dressing room i remember guys tell these stories like there was like almost two flights of stairs to get up to your your dressing room so if you had a end of the period you had a long shift or you had a, a long fight like you had to stand at the bottom of the stairs because you had enough energy to walk up you had to get back after the dressing room so that uh that first year in san jose uh that you played with the sharks do you have anything uh, like a memory that stands out in particular of like a welcome to the nhl kid kind of kind of moment oh man probably i think about game number four i we were playing in quebec i ended up uh fighting a guy named herb raglan and you know what i did pretty good you know had a great scrap against him i did well and then all of a sudden over the boards comes john cordick and it was like oh boy this is oh, this boy. stuff is getting getting real now all right so uh <laughs> you know game number two or three it was we were Maple Leaf Gardens. You know, the first time going into Maple Leaf Gardens, it was just unbelievable because 
as a kid, all your hockey night in Canada games were from Maple Leaf Guard. So to actually be there was just, to me, was just so cool. The man, I'm, I'm you're really here. Did you ever fight Cordic? Yeah, I actually fought him twice. I he... fought him that night. And then uh, <laughs> we they came back to San Jose in December. And it was uh, the first time my parents get in to watch me play live. Oh. So the team flew him down to San Jose. They were playing against Quebec. And Cordic comes over the boards, and he's still mad because he didn't think he'd get his pound of flesh. So we have an <laughs> unbelievable tilt. I mean, like, it is classic. And uh, I end up breaking my hand in, in the in the fight. And I remember, never forget our general manager at the time was Jack Ferreira. And he comes in flying after the period. And he's like, welcome to the heavyweight division kid. He's all excited. Here I am. You know, I can't even look. I got my eyes black and my hands all swollen because it's broke. And that's my first, first game of mom and dad I get to see him playing the national hockey league. So. Uh, I remember Cordic as a kid, like he just threw him so fast. Like his, you know, he, he, they weren't, they weren't big ones. But he threw a lot of them. So, uh, and, you know, like quick. And, yeah, yeah, he was – you couldn't really hurt him either, man. You hit, you hit him with all you got, and you're just like, Ugh, damn it. He's not going down, is he? I want I want to ask about travel back then. Because you, were you guys chartering? Yeah. You know what? We were right on the edge when we came in because we had our own plane. And then for the last half the year, I'm not sure what happened. We had to charter. So yeah, we were chartering, which was a great experience as a young guy because he got to stay over in all the cities after all the games. It was, yeah, those flights home, uh, you know, the yeah, 6 a.m. flight, you're leaving and you're in, a, in, a, in Florida or you're, you know, in, in wherever you are in your Montreal, whatever, and you're out for the night and then you're coming home and there's all these 20 guys just hung to the gills getting on the plane and you're sitting <laughs> beside some old lady and your breath is just, you know, <laughs> ready to knock her out. Oh, man. I'm going to back us up a bit, Jeff. You get cut 91-92 from camp, and you get sent down to Kansas City. Can you just tell us what the feeling's like and where you were and kind of the situational, uh, what happened when you got called back up? Camp one there, we, we go there, and my whole goal was, you know, I want to play an ex- exhibition game at least. So first round of cuts, they tell me I'm going, going to the minors. They want to get down to their team and – And then I go back to Kansas City, and I think we're about 11 or 12 games into the season. And like you said, I think Craig Cox was up there at that time, and something happened with with Cox, so they they called me up. So we have a practice the day before, and I'm just nervous as I'll get out. Before the game, I can't stop. I'm rocking back and forth. I'm just pacing them, and I'm making guys nervous. They're in the league like 10 years already. They were getting nervous because I was so nervous. So George Kingston was our coach, probably one of the, the nicest men ever, whether it's hockey or not. He calls me in the office and he says, you know what, Jeff, you're not here just to fight. You know, we want you to play. We got, you're not here just to fight. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, So uh, playing again in the island and uh, yeah, get to play against New York Islanders game number one on the road. It was, it was so cool. What year was it? Was it like the third year, fourth year that you guys uh, finally make the playoffs and then you upset, uh, did you upset Detroit? Because is that the year that like Larionov, yeah, Ozilinch, uh, uh, Falloon, Whitney, Ur- Urbe and Yeah, Net? all those guys were there. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's, that's the crew right there. So that was a that was a big deal, right? Like that year that you guys made the playoffs and and you you get in there. You know anything that stands out? You know with that team and and going just getting into the playoffs. Were you guys happy? Or you guys were like, well, we got a chip and a chair here. Let's see, uh, let's see how it goes. Well, it was you know it was the biggest turnaround in National Hockey League history for points during the regular season from where we were the year before 
to the year. And I think we were still only 500. So that tells you how bad we were. <laughs> but the, the thing about that team, we had a bunch of guys, like, you, know, you know, young guys like Whitney Floon, they were high draft picks. The rest of us were just kind of pluggers and muckers. And then we had Igor Larionov, Makarov, Garpinov, Ozelinch, and Jeff Norton, a group of five. And it was the turning point for that whole year. Uh, Kevin Constantine was, was our coach. And Kevin was as technically sound as anybody. But he wanted everybody to play kind of the same way. And that group of five were not going to play that way. So they were butting heads. And then finally, I'm not sure what happened, but they came to the conclusion that, all right, you five guys, so Makarov, Larionov, Garpenloff, Ozelinch, Nort, you guys do whatever you want. And the other three lines, you are going to play exactly how I want you to play. Wow. And we did that. Those guys were out there like watching the Russian five. They were, they would never dump the puck in. They just keep going back and circling and, you know, gaining possession where the rest of us, it was a, a left wing lock. And if you strayed from it, you weren't seeing the ice again. And, and it worked. And Archer Zerbe was our goaltender and he was unbelievable. You know what I mean? And it was just the perfect storm. We ended up going playing Detroit. Uh, we win game one, kind of shock them. And I think the thing was, they never did take us seriously. Even we went in the game seven. I don't think Detroit really thought that we could beat them. That was even possible. You know what I mean? And then when Jamie Baker scored that goal late in the third period, put us up by one, and we ended up winning that game. You know, Joe Lewis Arena, you could have heard a pin drop in it. It was, to this day, one of my all-time favorite hockey experiences, just walking out of there winning game seven. And then you are the heart and soul, basically, from what we're hearing down there. And you're you're all in. You're puck committed. And they name you captain. Did you know that was coming, or how did you how did you find out about it? Well, Bob Airy was our captain, and uh, he ended up getting traded. And then they were going to name a new captain. So my, my favorite part about this is they they actually had a team vote on it. So it was just all the guys on the team voted on it. I honestly didn't expect it to be me, but it ended up uh, you know I was named captain, and you know pretty cool you know even now to sit back and think you know like i was a captain of a national hockey league team it's something uh pretty proud of and uh pretty cool that uh, you always have with all due respect like you don't see many tough guys or guys with seven or eight points where the c in the nhl it seems like now it's always uh it's the star guys right for the most part well it, it is it's really changed that way and back then they had guys that like uh paul laws he was the captain uh in florida for a while you know what i mean there was so there's a few but now it's it just seems they can't wait to give that number one draft pick the kid the C. And I think if you look at Boston, the way they've done it, you know, they just named Patrice Bergeron their captain. And he's been in the league how many years? Obviously, had Chara. And any other team in the league, he would have been your captain. But no. And it doesn't matter who's really got the C. You guys all know if you're in a dress room, that order's established. Whether you got a C or not the leadership in that room, it kind of takes place. With the way the games change, would you have made it? You, you know what? I think they go on so much on just pure skill alone. And and maybe I could have found a way to get my skating uh, to the level to get there. But I, I don't think I would have got a chance. It would have been all those other intangibles is a reason that was why I was able to play. And I don't think I would have got a chance to, you know, get to that level to show those intangibles. And I think it's all relative too. you know, I mean, if you're, you find ways to, to adjust. Um, but I, I know now you have to have so much natural ability to even get your foot in the door 
with the speed of the game and, and the way it is that, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate because uh, you do take away a lot of those intangibles for different way, ways for guys to, you know, make a career and make a living out of it. I was just going to say, I, uh, I'll admit before this, I chatted with your boy Dakota a little bit to get some uh, <laughs> insight on things to ask you about. And we talked a lot about uh, your love for senior hockey. We'll get to that. But he did say he remembers uh, being in Colorado and just all the stars that you played with and Ray Bork and his kids and Sackick and, and just, you know, it was a, it was basically an all-star team. What was it like uh, playing in that locker room with those guys? You know what? It was awesome. And uh, you know what? I am so thankful I got to play on that team just because it was the first time I actually got to play on a winning team. Like, like honestly, guys, from the time I played junior all the way to the time I went to Colorado, um, I don't know if I was ever over 500 on a team. You know, like even those teams we had to run in San Jose, we were just barely over 500. So I was never on a team that was expected to win every night. And you go to Colorado and all of a sudden that changes and just the way they conducted themselves. And I know just for me, coaching and everything, the way I look at the game came a lot from my experience there uh, before, you know, you play on the bad teams and the way it was, if you lost a game, it was just driven India for the whole time that you played the next game where I played there. It was, you lose a game. It's okay. Park it. Let's find a way to get better. And I think that's just from, the team they had, but like I walked into that room, I went from to Boston, we finished last in the league and I basically get sent to the minors. And I, I don't know if I'm going to ever play a game again. And all of a sudden I get a call from Colorado that they're looking for a guy. So I end up going to Colorado, work out a, a buyout with Boston. I walk into the room and there's, you know, Sackick and Forsberg and Waugh and Foote and Deadmarsh and Curry, uh, Lefebvre, Kaminsky. And, you know, the best thing about that team, not only were they unbelievable players, but they're unbelievable people. And like I said, to, to play on a team where you're expected to win every night was was awesome. What was Patrick Waugh like? Um, you know, goalies are, we've all played enough. Goalies can be weird. You know, some goalies can be great guys and the, the comedian and whatnot. Patrick Waugh is a guy, he seems like he is business, uh, definitely can be a prick, and he's there to get the job done. You know what? If there was ever a goalie that uh, could have or should have been the captain of a hockey team, it was him. Like the man ate, breathed, slept hockey. That that's all. That's all he thought about. And before I went there, I think I had a bit of a perception of him that he was a little bit arrogant. He was a little bit cocky. Probably wouldn't have been a a real good teammate. But boy, did that change when I went there. He was he was all in. We ended up uh, living in the same neighborhood, so we drive to the games all together. Uh, Patrick Watts and like I said he was a guy that just lived for the game uh, and everything he did was for a reason even if it was come across as a little bit brash or whatever there was a reason why he did it because he wanted to help benefit the team to win he knew everything he, our power play or penalty kill there'd be lots of nights on that team where I'd only play like you know five or six minutes and we'd be driving home after the game and he'd remember every play whether it be a puck on the wall whether you, you chipped it out or we had made a play or whether you screwed up he remembered it all. There's a guy on that team, and you know, I'd love to get into Forsberg and Sackick, and I think what you see is what you get with those guys. But there's a guy on that team that you probably wanted to kill playing against him, and then now you're playing with him. Claude Lemieux. What kind of guy was he? Well, he was another guy. Like He, he wanted to win. Like He had an unbelievable drive to win. 
and you know he he scored big goals and the thing with with Claude he he's a lot bigger man than you think you know like like he's 225 and he and he's strong and you know and and actually there's another guy who who lived end up living in the same neighborhood so we got to spend a lot of time together we actually roomed together on the road and uh you know I went out to California to see my sister uh uh, last year and he's out there and you know I looked him up uh, to get together with him because you know I, I like the guy I, I I really do he's a, a good person and uh, I, I really enjoyed playing with him you went on like you were like on either side of a Stanley Cup there I just read hey like they won <laughs> yeah. it you came Thanks and you left up, and they won it again no I, it's not a it's not obviously obviously it's not Jeff's thing I'm just saying man that just sucks <laughs> right I well, mean god dang it we, and then the, the three years I was there uh, we end up getting upset, you know, by Edmonton the, the one year in the first round. Right. But the other two years, we went to game seven in the conference finals against the Dallas Stars. You know, game seven, they had home ice both years. So we lost game seven. Eddie Belfour versus Patrick Waugh, you know, like Medano, Keane, Charbonneau, what, like all those Hatcher. And it was just some of the most unbelievable hockey ever. And, and Eddie Belfour was man did he play well i think you know what if i seen eddie crossing the, the street i'd run him over with my truck still because i i still think he's the reason why i probably don't got a cup ring slow down madonna i'm gonna bite your freaking finger <laughs> <laughs> chew it right off oh. i was a stars fan back then jeff huge stars fan because i was a madano guy yeah i remember yeah. Man, those were, that was good hockey like dallas colorado back then oh you know, there were there were some good Colorado Detroit battles too, but yeah, it's an awesome hockey. No, it was, and both teams played the right way. You know what I mean? And and hard and battled. And you know, watching Adam Foot, you know, play defense for Colorado, watch him battle Madano and those guys and make them pay the price. Like, yeah, it was just fun to just be there to be a part of that whole thing. What was uh, what was Bob Hartley like? Because guys nowadays talk about how tough he is and and can be kind of a prick too. Obviously, things change. Players change. You can't get away with maybe as much. But what was was he as tough as as uh, you hear here he was? He, he was demanding. Like he really was. You know, especially on young guys. He was. You had to be accountable, and uh, he didn't ever make you comfortable. Um, like I was an older guy when I played for him, and I had a good relationship with Bob. Like I got along with Bob. He, he treated me well, treated me with respect. But he was he was tough on guys, and uh, he. Uh, he loved conditioning. Like he made sure guys were in shape and, and you knew that once you got to play for him, we were in uh, have camp in Colorado Springs. So we're even up at about 7,500 feet elevation and these poor European kids that would come in for their first ever training camp. And, and Bob had these drills. Uh, one of them was called the mountain. One of them was called the mile and they were just unbelievable skates. And as a veteran, you knew it. So you trained for it all year. Uh, but these young guys would come in and some of them couldn't even get off the ice. Like they'd cramp up so bad that they, they couldn't get off the ice. So, and then they get scared, right? So they, all of a sudden they got a pulled groin or whatever. So if you had a pulled groin, then Bob would put them on this, uh, you ever seen, heard of a UB machine, the, the bike you basically did with your arms. So he'd give them a program for that. And they'd end up <laughs> throwing up after doing that. Uh, just. And he, he called it Dr. Yubi. So Dr. Yubi would take care of the uh, the pulled groins. I got to play for Bob on two different teams. So I'm in Atlanta, yeah. and I hear rumors that he might be coming. 
So I start bagging myself after practice just to get ready in case he is hired as coach because the guys have no idea what's coming. So he, they hire him. We go to Montreal, uh, play a game. And normally in Montreal, you know, the guys that go out have a good time after the game. We got a, a practice next day. So I, I know what's coming. So I, I even stay home and just <laughs> have one beer and straight to bed. So we start skating and he doesn't stop. We have two guys on our team go down. They cannot get off the ice. True story. They cannot make it off the ice. Bob comes over, lifts up their head, puts one of his gloves under their head. So they get them a little bit comfortable and keep skating. <laughs> we ended up having to uh, drop the one guy off at the hospital they, on the way there because he still couldn't move. So we carried him on the bus. We took him to the hospital. They came out with a wheelchair, took the guy off. And uh, you played for Bob. You, you were in shape. He was like like matching lines and systems he, mm. there was nobody better like if if you had a coach that you had for a one game series to get ready uh to get everybody ready to play one game uh i wouldn't be be scared at all to have bob as a guy we before we leave colorado in those playoff runs it's a question i've asked a couple of the guys do you remember anybody on those runs that had just an injury that you you could not believe that they were still, you know, going on the ice and they're taking the taking the shot in the medical room and then getting back out there. Anything that rings a bell because you know, some of the battles and that was different hockey back then. Let's keep in mind. Yeah, um, you know, I, I remember the the one when Forsberg uh, ruptured his spleen, and uh, you know what? I'm I'm pretty sure he finished that game, and you know he didn't even think he was hurt that bad till he we got assessed. But and there was just. There's just countless stories of that. Like, you, like by the time you get to round three, round four, nobody's even seventy-five percent. You know, getting taped up and shot up, and it's just—it's a war. I know you broke your leg in a scrap with with uh, Brad Marchment. There, did you, did you not? Yes, I did. Did yeah. that? Um, did that end your career, Jeff, or did you play after that? No, I played after that. No, we. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of. A, uh, yeah, we were heading out to San Jose. And it was, had I been there the year before? I think it was. Anyways, it was always kind of special going back to San Jose. So it was game one of a two-week road trip. And you got to see a bunch of people the night before. And then first shift, uh, fight, marchment. And just the way he came back on me, uh, my ankle got locked. So it, my ankle breaks, my fibula breaks. So I ended up with uh, two plates, 11 screws, and a bunch of damage done to it. But no, that happened November the 1st, and uh, came back, and we played against Philly January the 18th. Oh, wow, so that's incredible. Well, you know what? It was They had so much steel and so many uh, pins in there that I, I, could, I could start rehabbing probably within about 10 days after, after the break. Wow. And, you know, our training staff there was, was top-notch. But no, I came back and played uh, – you know, a year and a half after, after that injury. And I was a little bit nervous when I, when they told me what had happened and, you know, especially when I seen the x-rays after they, they did it, I did, I wasn't quite sure if I was going to play again or not. So before Boz gets rocking on his senior stuff, cause I know he's like itching and so excited to talk senior hockey with you. You're the 27th all time penalty minutes leader in the NHL. That's, I mean, that's quite an accomplishment, especially you know, for all the Saskatchewan guys, we all uh, we all love that stuff. Yeah, you know what? It just you just kind of do what you do, and they they keep adding up. Yeah, five I think, minutes, um, five minutes at a time. Well, they, they funny they had a stat that I was kind of proud of. 
uh, of all the guys that got 2000 penalty minutes or more, yeah. uh, I had the highest percentage of majors, you oh, know, wow. in that, as far as penalty minutes go in, in the, in all the NHL. So that was kind of the, you know, I took pride not taking a minors or leaving my team shorthanded. Did they count tens back then? Yes. Oh, okay. And, and- it, see in, in the NHL, they did in, right. in junior and the WHL, they did. So on that topic, I, I know the, uh, Barney asked earlier about you know junior days, but all time NHL junior, who's the who's the toughest guy you scrapped? I guess probably the guy that, like I said, the guy that hit the hardest or hit would, would be Twist, you know. And then the guy that uh, was probably like I had about five goals with Probert, and uh, he he was the guy. Like when I played, if you're going to measure yourself and you were going to say who was the one guy. He, Probert was hit. You went, uh, you went Domi quite a bit, didn't you? Too, I saw you want him a few times in one game for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, he was another guy uh, that uh, you know, right there in my wheelhouse, same time, same era. So, you know, we battled lots, especially you know, I was in San Jose. He came to Winnipeg, um, and then with the Leafs after those were always you know big games too. You're going in there a lot of times. There were hockey night in Canada game. We had a you know, a line brawl against them when I was with Colorado. That uh, it was a pretty good one. Ended up fighting Domi, and they had Chris King and all those guys. So, you know, that was that's what I miss about the game so much. You know what I mean? Like the rivalries and stuff, and especially even in a middle of February, you go in two top teams and you want to send a message in case you have a playoff matchup or whatever. It uh, stuff like that happened all the time. All those little games within the games, and uh, it was entertaining. Did you ever fight any of your buddies, any SAS guys that you just you didn't want to do it, but you had to do it? Yeah, I probably the one guy was the big man too, Jim McKenzie. You know, I always I knew Jimmy pretty well, and uh, we were playing against Anaheim, and uh, you know Jimmy was he was another guy. If he hit you, he hurt you. So you uh, you kind of just always wanted to leave him sleep. But with Bob, he always had me going. He wanted me getting in there and, you know, going after guys like Pronger and stuff. So I was running around a bit and uh, uh, so I ended up having to fight Jim. And I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, we have to. So he is so strong. They had a test at camp in Anaheim. You had to bench your own weight as many times as you could. The big Jim was 225. He did it 25 times. So he grabs onto me with that left. And it's just like, you know, when you're a kid and your dad grabs onto you and you're in trouble, he grabs you by the neck of your shirt and he kind of twists and you can't go anywhere. That, that's how it felt when, when Big Jim grabbed me. So then you just start ducking and uh, just hoping you can survive. Boys, that sounds exactly like one of the hosts on our show, Sean Kindop, bench pressing. <laughs> I'm not sure if you did some push-ups before we uh, came on here, but your punch man—you you got you got your swole on. Like, look at those arms. <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot with this one, but if you had to think back your hockey career from you know junior right up until today, what's your proudest hockey moment? You know, I, I think probably uh, team-wise. Uh, it was it was probably beating Detroit, you know what I mean, in that game seven, accomplishing something that nobody thought you could do was possible. And then, I don't know, probably personally-wise, being named captain was, was probably one of, one of the prouder moments. Very good answers, but you were supposed to say playing with your kids 
in senior. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Talking to your son, he said uh, that you had the chance to play senior with both of your sons over the last few years, and and uh, it was pretty special for them, but pretty special for you too. No, it was cool. Uh, I got to play with uh, John, my older boy. You know, he was going to university and stuff, and you know, they used to play in a, a team in a real game and stuff with your son. It, it's pretty special, and uh, and then I know even just the last time I uh, played with Dakota here you know, a month and a half ago, you're looking over and it's hard to believe, you know, like I, I still think of those guys as young guys and now they're grown men and you're playing senior hockey together. And it's uh, come full circle, you know, all, everything you've been through, everything they watched me play hockey and then watching them play all their minor hockey and junior hockey. And then, you know, getting together on the same team and, and being teammates is yeah, it's pretty cool. So tell us about uh, before things got shut down, I think maybe, the Rokenville Tigers, which you're you're a part of, um, you played one game, is that right? And I think you and your son teamed up for a for a goal too. Yeah, we did. Actually, we, we played uh, uh, the team played two games. Okay. And um, so I played the second night and played on a line with uh, Dakota, young guy, and then uh, Conrad McKay. So we, we we played on a line and you know we, we rolled the line through and uh, yeah, third period rebound came out tapped her in from about two feet out just my my wheelhouse and uh you know dakota assisted on the goal so they announced it the goal and it was yeah it was that was pretty cool you're playing next year again right <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know it, it it's hard to quit you know what i mean like I'd, I'd been away from a bit and all of a sudden you get playing and i remember playing in that game and it's in the third period and you're getting in the groove again you're playing every other shift and you're getting the sweat on and you're you're thinking like you were before. And it was just like, man, I love this. Like you don't, nothing you do gives you that. You know what I mean? All the things I've done, yeah. like there's a lot of great stuff, but you get in that in, in a game mode and you get those juices flowing again. And it's, there's nothing like it. You, you chase that till you're 80 years old, or at least I will anyways. It seems like there's lots of guys who play pro and, you know, they maybe come back and play senior, but it's just not what they expect or, you know, they maybe lose the the fire a little bit once they've played pro. That obviously not an issue for you. Well, it maybe is a different for me because, you know, I, I played a long time, but there is a certain role I played. And, and I knew it. I was okay with that. But for me, I wanted to end playing the way I grew up playing. Like, I wanted to be out there. If there's a power play, I didn't want to have to go to the middle of the bench to, lead, you know, to let other guys go. I wanted to play. If there was a, a big game, I wanted to be out there for defensive zone face-off. That's how I remembered playing, and that's how I kind of wanted to leave it. And so I planned on playing a few years, and then I just, you know, kept going with it because I, I still wanted to play, and I still love being around the guys. You finish your pro career, and your son tells us you pretty much, uh, once you're back home for good, you're full-time playing senior. Do you remember your first senior goal? Yes, I do. Oh, I think I was playing on a line with Les Ray and Dalen Holmstrom and uh, playing against the Landsberg Warriors coming down. It was uh, <laughs> the worst goal ever. Just a bit of a flutter shot of a wrister and the goalie misplayed it and scored. So it was, uh, I'd like to tell you it was a breakaway, but it, it wasn't. <laughs> but what happened when you got back to the bench? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I, I went down, I sat down <laughs> and the first thing I did was I looked up to see the Jumbotron to watch the replay. And I just put my head down and I said, oh my God, I am not in the NHL anymore because I honestly <laughs> sat down and I looked up to watch the replay in the Jumbotron. 
And I just started <laughs> laughing out loud. And the guy less right beside me goes, what's so funny? I said, I just looked up for the replay. <laughs> <laughs> and like, what, rink, what rink was it in? Was, was, was there a pigeon up there? What was up there? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was Rokenville. Was, there was nothing up there. I'm just like, <laughs> nothing in the rafters in Rokenville. Yeah. Now, when you first came back, uh, I don't think Rokenville had, had won a lot maybe for a while, but you came back and uh, you guys won a championship. It might've been your second year, but heard a story that it was in Ochap. I think you guys won, but you were sicker than a dog or something like shouldn't have been playing and sewer backed up in your house. So you're cleaning oh, that up. <laughs> man, that I, I was sicker than a dog with a flu. And, and yeah, that's right. Dakota's got a good memory if he's telling me that because <laughs> Yeah, the, the sewer backed up, so we were shop backing in, in there all afternoon. And then, uh, yeah, went to play the game, and uh, we ended up winning. So somehow still found the energy to go out that night, though. Jeff, um, one thing that, you know, I, I know from a, from a mutual friend of ours, guy that lived with me for uh, three years in Saskatoon, uh, Jeff Bell Humor. Rest in peace. He always oh, man. he always talks so highly of you. He actually tried to get me to come out and play in Rokenville one year. Uh, almost, you know, he talks so highly of you. And the other thing that I heard today was you were instrumental in getting Ethan Bear to stay and play in Yorkton and not go to Shattuck or Notre Dame. And you convinced him and his family to stay and play in Yorkton and they just, because you're a man of your word about Ethan, you know, what was that? Was that a hard sell to, cause Shattuck, let's, let's be honest, Shattuck, that's a big name and that's a place to go. You know, it, it wasn't that bad. I, I'm, you know, I had some good talks, you know, with his dad and, and the family. And I think uh, like a lot of parents, you know, you want to do what's right for your kid. But if, you know, going to Shattuck is a long ways away, obviously. And if, you know, you can have it where you can stay um, and, and play closer to home and still play good hockey and, and, and develop, uh, it would definitely be what you'd want. So I think, you know, that was, you know, a big part of it, too. Um, but it was, no, having uh, Ethan w- was great. We had a good group of kids that year. Uh, and Ethan was unbelievable. He was a first-year uh, midget, but, man, just so good with the puck and strong on the puck and easy to coach and uh yeah no i'm just so happy for him having the success he is right now now i just uh kind of one more on the senior front and i want to make sure i get this right and if i don't we can edit it but obviously uh in rokenville there you guys had a tragedy a few years back uh with the four players that played for the rokenville tigers i think um correct me if i'm wrong but after that happened you guys had ended up uh playing drake in a B provincial final and you ended up uh, winning or beating Drake in the B final and kind of a special memory and tribute to those guys. Yeah, that was, man, we, we, we've always had such a, a close group in Rokenville. Like our teams were, were so tight. And uh, you know, when we lost the four boys there in that uh, action, it was, it was a hard blow. Well, not obviously a team, but the whole town. And there was a time there where we didn't really know uh, what we were going to do team wise. If we were going to have a team, and, you know, we came together and we finished that season. And then we really, you know, we, we got going and we had some guys come and play for us. And it just, we, we had a team that was always stayed close, but just so much talent. We had, you know, so much talent on that team too that came. We had probably two of the 
better senior hockey players I've ever seen play. And, uh, you know, Devin LeBlanc and Buddy Smith. Uh, we had one of the best lines going forever with, uh, you know, Ryan Regal, uh, Nico Gross and Ashley Howley. You know, they were one of the top lines in Saskatchewan for I don't know how long. You know, Brad Hickman came, you know, in on defense, Stefan Robodeau. We had Chris Cloud and and just a group of guys, Scotty Shavak, our goaltender. You know, I, that was the year I had uh, hurt my hip and I had to quit playing and started coaching. And, you know, we were playing against Drake and we were down best of three. We were down four to two with about six minutes left in the third period. We ended up tying it up, uh, going to overtime and scoring. And I remember the excitement in that town. Uh, you know, we had scaffolding built around the end of the rink so we could get more people in the rink. I think they ran out of booze three times and had to go restock the bar uh, during the game. You know, that whole year and that, that run was, you know, one of my highlights hockey-wise out of anything for sure. So usually how we uh, we end these interviews is a rapid fire, so we're just going to throw some uh, questions at you and one word or short answers uh, to answer them and we'll just uh, go around a bit. I'm sure the other guys got a few as well. I wanted to ask, and you can be maybe a little bit longer on this one, but uh, I don't know how many goals you had in the NHL, but take us through the, the first one. Uh, the first one, opening face-off, start of the line with Dean Emerson, Paul Fenton, puck gets stumped in, uh, puck comes out, I put it in. It was a fast school in Sharks history. I think it was like uh, under like 12 or 15 seconds, I want to say. Favorite road barn in the NHL that you ever played in? Um, barn to be Chicago. City be Montreal. <laughs> we get Montreal all the time. Place is so good, so fun. Favorite ref? Paul Stewart. Now, you kind of referenced uh, enjoying some pops with the fellas when you're on the road. Do you have a memory of maybe the guiltiest you ever played? Screwed up one time in Detroit and uh, paid the price. Ended up fighting uh, Probert and Karkner that day. So, <laughs> didn't do it again for a long time. Best prank you ever played on somebody or somebody ever played on you? Oh, man. I wasn't you don't seem much like of a, a big prank guy. I was going to say you no, I, I no, I, I didn't do a lot. Everybody of, a whole lot be of scared to pull a prank on you. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I guess probably the best prank I ever pulled um, right before Ray Ferraro got traded. Uh, myself and Sean Donovan and Chris Tamer broke into his room, and we piled everything from his hotel room on top of his bed, put the shower curtain on top of it, and then we. Uh, in the toilet there we took the hose from the the flusher and stuck it out the back so that uh, when you flushed it it would wouldn't flush the toilet it would squirt on his back (laughs) (laughs) who's the like obviously you played with so many stars you know especially in colorado so many great players but who's the most talented player you ever played with uh i I think it would have to be sackick sackick and and, you know there's i got a top three there you got sackick you got forsberg and then on the back end, uh, Ray Bork, without a doubt. The guy could just control the pace of a game. Even at the end of his career, in his late 30s, he was playing, you know, over 30 minutes some night. Just just a freak. Biggest mouthpiece you ever played against in the NHL? Just would not stop chirping. Uh, probably Barnaby. It, it was nonstop. Just would not be quiet. <laughs> Did we fight? You fought him a few times, I think yeah. I saw on YouTube, actually. Yeah, no, we had a couple of good goals, yep. Yeah, no, he was one thing about it. He'd he'd chirp, but uh, he'd back it up. You don't seem like the kind of guy, right? You're Spy Hill, good farm boy, good Sasky boy. But weirdest or most regret you ever had buying something when you had, you know, you're making your big money in NHL and something you bought and you're just like, what the hell was I thinking? 
I was pretty cautious. Like my signing bonus, I actually bought 43 Hereford heifers. So that's, <laughs> that's what I blew my money on. <laughs> so I bought yeah, cows. Yeah. That's so, a good but, ROI there. Yeah. But looking back, maybe that was the wor- worst thing I ever bought too, the way farming is. So who knows? <laughs> Could be my best and worst all in one. Do you remember your last goal? You know what? I think it was a, uh, a backhander through the legs of uh, Patrick Waugh when I was playing with Atlanta. 75% sure. What's one word that comes to mind when I say Ilya Kovalchuk? Russian. (laughs) (laughs) He he was roommate. He was my roommate on the road for Ilya. And, oh, man, could he shoot a puck. Did he speak much English then? Like, was it tough when he first came over? He didn't speak much when he came over. Uh, obviously he's good at it now, but no, he, he didn't speak much Russian or I mean, uh, English, uh, at all. Vodka. But, uh, but, <laughs> a little bit, not too bad. Ilya was a uh, typical Russian. Those guys, they like to have some fun, right? They, they grew up a little bit different. It was kind of a little mafia run over there. So a little different, uh, spin on things, but, uh, I liked Ilya. I, you know what? He could shoot a puck. We always got along good. And, and, he, you know, sometimes he gets a bad rap, but he's a lot more competitive than I think a lot of people uh, give him credit for. He can throw him for a Russian. Like, he, he can, you know, in the middle way through whatever, because didn't he one-punch Shen, Braden Shen at one point? Like, Kovalchuk can can throw him for a Russian. Well, he's a big man. Like, he's like he's 235. Like, he's not a small guy. I think a lot of these guys, we don't think are that big, but, no, he, he was a big man, had legs on him like tree trunks. And, no, he was he was a force. You could change one thing about the game. One thing I'd take about it, um, I'd allow a little more obstruction. It, it, the game's never been more dangerous than it is right now, in my opinion. Um, the guys are so fast, you're not allowed to hold anybody up. You're not able to look after your teammates. Any shout-outs you want to give to the being the head coach? Are you the head coach of the Rokenville Tigers? or? Well, assistant? kind of. They, they, put me, uh, they put me as assistant coach in case uh, somebody gets suspended, then I don't get suspended. So. <laughs> <laughs> Player coach, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You want to get him no, to No, I just, you know, a shout out to all the guys that are, you know, still playing senior hockey in, in Saskatchewan. It, it's an awesome game, and it's, it's a big-time commitment for these guys to play. Uh, and the guys that are playing, they play for the right reasons. They love the game. Uh, I still love it, still live for it. And, uh, no, it's, it's just a great thing. Awesome. That was really good, Jeff. We appreciate you taking the time and some great stories. Yeah. All right, guys. Hopefully I gave you something you could use there. All right, boys. Again, the interview wrap-up is for 2020 Geomatics, your locally owned and operated land-surveying firm. They're 100% Saskatchewan-owned. When you hire them, your money is staying right here in Saskatchewan, the communities that they work in. As expert in the subdivision process, they are your first call when you're thinking about subdividing land. That's right. It doesn't matter if you're looking to carve out a single parcel or have plans for a large multi-lot development. They have the knowledge expertise to guide you through it. Don't be a pigeon and pull your hair out trying to find the regulations and navigating those yourself. That's just Bush League. Malcolm Vanstone and his team, 2020 Geomatics. They would love to come out to your community, have a coffee with you, and chat and just get the job done. That was the interview wrap-up for 2020 Geomatics. Hey, guys, yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about uh, Jeff Odgers. Wow. Uh, you know, the interview that another one that we've been kind of putting off a bit, our own laziness, and we really needed to get him. And then with senior hockey done, oh, can that guy just take a story, right? You could tell he's got some broadcasting in him because he just takes the story. 
Yeah, I thought it was really good, Barney. Best story I liked of him was the uh, Jumbotron story in senior mm-hmm. hockey. That was his own. Like, he gave himself a take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. You're not in the show anymore. So I love that story. And, uh, no, he was he was excellent. Great storyteller and uh, awesome, awesome guy. In shape, too. Like, man, the the, the guns of... You know, I don't know if oh. I don't know if Boz got a, a picture of his arms, but oh, does he oh have pipes? God. I saw. Um, obviously, it's important to his family. His one son, Dakota, plays uh, U Sports or CIS or whatever you want to call it. And I know his other son was. I'm not sure if he still is, but uh, was the strength and conditioning coach for the Iowa Wild in the American Hockey League. So obviously, fitness is something they take a little bit uh, more serious than. Myself, maybe some of us. <laughs> they're bench pressing calves over there. That's what they're doing. <clears throat> Arm curling them. Yeah, awesome interview. It was a pleasure. Hope we get a get to chat with him again down the road. If people ask you if you want to go do something in life, just say, "Why wouldn't a guy?" Or why wouldn't a girl? All right, boys. Let's get back to the king of trucks, Mainline GM in Rosetown and Mainline Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Rosetown. Title sponsor of the Monday Nooner podcast. Don't forget, you buy any vehicle at either dealership this month, new or used, and you're entered to win that trip for you and three friends on a private freaking jet to the NFL game of your choice in 2001 or 2021 2022 private jet nfl game unreal unbelievable don't forget thousand dollars with your costco members on any new 21 gmc sierra silverado taking a thousand bucks off and then over at the chrysler uh, store or dodge ram jeep store zero percent financing up to 96 months on 2021 ram 1500 dt models so stop in, tell them you heard them on the Monday Nooner. That is the Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Mainline Store in Rosetown and Mainline GM in Rosetown. Proud to have those boys on board, the king of trucks. Hey, joining us uh, now in the senior hockey soiree for Freeze Tallman Lumber. Thinking about getting a project done in Regina, Fort Capel in the area. Visit the pros at Freeze Tallman Lumber. Make sure they get a chance to bid or help you out on that project. So last week we started the senior hockey all-decade team with Paco. Put in a lot of time into the Coppell Valley Hockey League. And we're going to get Jap from the guys up north because, again, this week, we're going to keep it in the south. We're going to talk about the Highway Hockey League. Josh Miller, senior hockey historian, joining us on the program. And, uh, Millsy, the, the one thing that we talked like you, you listened when we talked about with Paco last week is the Highway Hockey League, though, has always kind of been one of the upper echelon leagues in the province. That's safe to say, right? I would say so. When I moved down here for university, Barnan, same as you when you come down here, is you ended up in the Highway Hockey League. Um, I thought it was one of the better leagues to, to start with, and that's where I ended up when I started my days in Strasbourg. All right, so all-decade team, 2010 to 2020 for the Highway Hockey League. Let's start with the goaltenders first, and really uh, no surprise for me when, when you came out with this, but take us through your goalies and uh, why you picked those guys. Sure, so uh, my first goalie I took was Ryan Holfeld, who actually Paco mentioned Numerous times on on every episode he's been on in their battles with Balgoni. Uh, but from the Bethune Bulldogs, Ryan Holfeld. Uh, 2017, 18, 19, and 20, 
uh, four good years there, three league championships, a senior A provincial title in 2017, uh, Allen Cup in 2018, uh, three All-Stars in those four years. So I don't know what, much more to say about that. Perfect. Who else you got in, uh, in between the pipes? Uh, secondly, Justin Mrazek, um, the newer generation. You guys might not recognize that name. He's a four-year Avonlea Arrow um, league title in 2012. And in all four years, he was named the top goaltender in the Highway Hockey League. And my third goalie, Nathan Fischel. Four years in Raymore and one year in Avonlea in 2014, where he was named the top goaltender. Won a league title in 2011 with the Raymore Rockets, where he split some time with one of my honorable mentions here, Warren Niekamp. So yeah, pretty uh, pretty good tandem of three starting goalies there. And then as I mentioned, uh, one of my honorable mentions, Warren Niekamp. 20, this is a little bit different here. He played 2010 in Cupar, 2011 in Raymore, 2012 in Cupar, 2013 in Raymore. And uh, like I said, mentioned, won that league title in 2011 with the Rockets. A second honorable mention goes to Ryan Semft, who out in Bethune started the whole Bethune kind of run, won the first two league championships in 15 and 16. Um, played his first five years in Selby from 2011 to 2014. And then my last honorable mention, uh, Dave Perkins. Four years in Winyard, one in Raymore, one in Selby, and uh, won a league title in 2013 with the Winyard Monarchs. Okay, quickly. my goalies. Yeah, Mills, now to the back end, and we go uh, a guy right off the hop here that that's played, it seems. You know, he played in the decade before i remember he battled a, a hell of a hockey player hell of a defenseman chad mazurik's your first guy maybe just go through some of the other ones you picked there yeah so i've got partnered up with chad mazurik i got uh a lumsden d partner he's played with the last couple of years is andrew perot um again last four or five years out in lumsden there my second pairing i got two bethune bulldogs which who couldn't go with two bulldogs when they won what they did in this decade uh, the captain, Russ Nielsen, and his partner, Joel Cott. Again, four league titles, Allen Cup appearances. They uh, make up my second pairing. And third pairing, uh, Tyler Bell out of Raymore. And Jared Molner, who Barney, you would be recognized with, um, from the Siemens Wheat Kings for a couple of years, and then a few years out in Avonlea. Actually won the league scoring title as the D-man in 2011. Wow. He never left the ice, though. That's why. That, that's true. That's true. Uh, Guy could play all seventh, day. Seventh D-man, Ryan Cruz out of Raymore. Um, probably one of the best D-men. They've, I've talked to a few of the guys out there that they've ever played with. Um, only played a couple of years out there, but uh, but yeah, real steady D-man. A couple of honorable mentions, Eric Schultz from Strasbourg and Brody Looning out of Lumsden. Okay, now over to the forwards and your first, uh, first line, man. Pr- pretty good line. Uh, especially the you know, guy that I know played against uh, in the middle there. Yeah. Uh, again, back in out to Bulldog country and, and Kyle Ross, um, how can you go wrong? Um, everybody knows his work ethic, his skill, everything like that. So he's my number one centerman. And flanking his wings, I got Pat Thompson-Gale. It's a local in Saudi. Actually played 2012 to 2014 in Saudi. Then left to play four years of college and then come back and played the last two years in Saudi again couple of Highway Hockey League MVPs, scoring title. So he's there in the one wing. And Kyle Johnson, a local out of Lumsden, um, three all-star teams, a couple of league titles. 
he's uh Kyle Ross's winger and rounds out that first line. And your second line playing at the center position is a guy who's from Craig, Saskatchewan, Mike Reach. Michael Reach. <laughs> Again, back to Bethune. Um, nothing more really needs to be said about it. I've given all the accolades for them guys. A couple other guys in that wing or on that line. Brett Leffler at a Winyard, who unfortunately, I guess, only ended up playing four years in Winyard because they left the Highway Hockey League and went to the Long Lake. But he did win a scoring championship in 2013 and 2015. And then the other winger on that on that line is Tyrell Shulko out of Raymore. Played all the whole decade. Um, again, provincial C title in Raymore. Actually won a league scoring title uh, last year in 2020. A couple all-star appearances. So my third line, back to Raymore and a couple of uh, boys I play fastball with, the Jordan bro- brothers, Mike Jordan and Josh Jordan. And their winger, again, back out to Bulldog Country in Lucas Almer, who uh, also won a league scoring title in 2019 to to join the, the likes of the rest of these guys on this list. My fourth line, I have Lucas's brother, Jacob. And then two wingers on that are Tyler Stewart at a QPAR, who played five years in QPAR and then left and went to the Q and played in Balgoni with the Bisons. The other winger on that, that line, Brady Ollie out of Lumsden, played the whole decade there, local, real good hockey player. My two extra forwards, Shay Newfeld out of Avonlea, and Greg Ferguson out of Strasburg, a local out of air. End up with 183 points and 107 games played. A couple of honorable mentions, Travis Moore out of Selby, and Liam Brennan out of Lumsden. Hey, boy, Millsy. That's a lot of work, man. Like, we totally appreciate it. And I know last week we had a lot of people that that liked the Paco thing. And, you know, for you to kind of go through all this and put in, you know, the work, trying to find guys from 10 years, it was a lot of work. It did a hell of a job. Yeah, we'll have to... uh... We'll have to get that out on our social media. I'm sure there'll be some people japping about uh, guys that they think you might have missed or whatever. That's the great part is get the convo going, right? For sure. And I'm sure I did miss somebody, but it's honestly, it was a lot of shit going through the, and all I did is get all the scoring leaders from 2010, right to 2020, stroked them off. And then I just kind of kept making my list and shorten it from there. So right on. Don't give away your secrets, buddy. (laughs) Hey, Melzy. Thanks so much for doing this. I know you had a busy, uh, a busy night. There's a, We appreciate it. There's a case of beer in it for you. Hey, all good, buddy. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Thanks, Millsy. You're the man. Guys, it's still January. It's still cold outside. So why wouldn't you go visit Arrow Plumbing and... What? (laughs) It's cold. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Don't have to stop. We can jap you during the reads. People like that. I was going to say, it hasn't even fucking got cold yet. Yeah, Boys, it's January... It's warm all right now, but it's going <laughs> to get cold yet. We know we're in for that February blow. Hey, 100K wins tomorrow. She's going to be chilly. Why wouldn't a guy make sure their furnace is running tip top? And if it's not, replace that old money thirsty piece of garbage with a new high efficiency Lennox furnace from Aero Plumbing and Heating. They can also hook you up with a brand new Wi-Fi thermostats. You can control your house from anywhere in the world. Also get a new HEPA filter. Keep those allergies down. Maybe won't be looking as ugly as Sean Kindop after you get a great furnace from Aero Plumbing and Heating. They're 50 years in business in Regina. Why wouldn't a guy shop freaking local and support the companies that support our community? That takes us into our hunting, fishing, and tirade. I don't got a lot. Hunting, fishing, hunting's over. I don't do a lot of ice fishing. I'm not like Gubba and Sean Kindop and his wife, Jess. 
So I'm going to take us into my tirade tonight, which is this USA World Juniors garbage can thing and how salty people are about the U.S. bringing the garbage can out with the Canadian flag on it. Don't be a bunch of pigeons. Who cares? We wouldn't do something like that. We know, but they won. They kicked the shit out of us after basically, if you listen to any TSN at all, this was going to be like one of or top three of the best teams in the history of Canada. They lose. It was a good game. These guys brought a garbage can out. Who cares? Let it go. Stop being so salty about it. Are people still talking about it? Because that was like two, three weeks ago. <laughs> I'm still seeing. I'm hey. I'm still seeing stuff jump up, pop up on my Twitter page, and I don't know why guys are so. so Sean, what's your take? You got the new glasses on tonight. You're looking smart. We need your. Well, it might be. It might be popping up on your social media page because it's like you may have missed this from three weeks ago. But I don't know. You're you're old. You're new to Twitter. I I don't know, man. Some of us. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's a donkey move. I don't know. I just feel like uh, we covered that last week. So my tirade is going to be to you to uh, get your shit together and talk about stuff that's still topical. (laughs) Well, stop being a bunch of pigeons. How about hey, storming the Capitol building? How about that? That was topical this week. Storming of the Capitol building. Isn't that or like COVID or something? Like that's. That's still on my timeline. I'm done talking. I'm done talking about COVID. Let's talk about your salesmanship in office furniture. <laughs> sold me a chair this week. You sold me a chair this week. No free. I'm plugs. not in sales, but I, I really do appreciate you uh, coming on board. Belts. No free plugs. They're not a sponsor. <laughs> he did a follow up. Did you do? Shake, a fo- let's shake. Let's talk about that for one minute. The Capitol storming. I've seen so many different different things on that. No, you don't want to talk about that. No, I don't. I don't no, give no a shit. Free plugs. I'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, it was wild. And, uh, now Donald Trump's really taking a seat, uh, because he's getting kicked off, uh, he's getting kicked off Twitter and the golf tournaments aren't going to go play at his golf courses anymore. So yeah. And I heard something about this. Wasn't there like a social media site called Parlay or something like that? They're not letting them be on platforms. Well, what was it called? Parlor? Parlor. You just lost all credibility on this story, son. This is awesome. Take a seat. <laughs> That's awesome. That it was also me. that was also last week when we did the show. Yeah, and then he's not allowed on Ernstergerm or Twitter. <laughs> I had a few. La- I had a few last mountain whiskeys. <laughs> Uh, firmers only LM. like i don't know man he's bound from all of it uh that's LMB good though w. belts hey are you drinking that last mountain whiskey tonight i had uh yeah a few oh. a few tonight i'm not i'm not like you i didn't i didn't pack her in during the week so i'm still supporting local companies and crushing their booze yeah i know yeah no that and that whiskey is uh, i keep looking at it for friday it's going to be good hey let's get into the um there's no player of the week but we're doing the player of the week from yesteryear taking you back to the old times and this is for richie brother auction richie brothers auctioneers sorry this is the time of the year when they're starting to plan things out so if you're looking at uh, making a move on the old farmyard or you got some old machinery that you want to sell call the local legends at Richie Brothers Auctioneers. They'll come out. They'll do some appraising for you. They'll talk you through it. But everybody that you're going to see is local. They all work here. Why wouldn't you use the industry leader? It's going to get you more money. There that's what is. I always say. There Why it wouldn't is. you? The, the industry leader, ladies and gentlemen. That's who you want to use. So for Richie Brothers Auctioneers, they love to support senior hockey. We are going to go to the Carnduff Red Devils for our player of the week from yesteryear and we got like this 
long, awesome message. It's kind of like reading War and Peace. But it's, uh, it kind of went through. And there's one guy on here that we got to focus out. His name, Ed McMillan from the Cardiff Red Devils. Get this. I don't, I can't see the year, but we're talking like early 90s here, boy. 25 games played for your Cardiff Red Devils. 48 goals, 52 assists for a smooth 100-point season in the old big six. Cardiff that year, you're asking, they finished 21 wins, two losses, two ties. So they led the league. And Eddie McMillan, who are, who are the other guys here? Mike, uh, old Mike Verity from the Cardiff Red Devils is right there. And Blaine Crest also. Heck of a heck of a season. So there it is, our player of the week from yesteryear, Ed McMillan of the Carnduff Red Devils, and that's for Richie Brothers Auctioneers. So we're gonna wrap this show up, boys. But before, thanks to everybody who's been emailing, emailing, or messaging us on senior hockey and and kind of getting the word out. We are gonna be looking for a player of the week. Let's get somebody from the north next week to send it down. The senior hockey soiree is always for Freeze Tallman Lumber. And we have some real cool senior hockey stories coming up. They're they're on the I guess they're coming down the pipe. They're like you gotta piece them together. So it takes a little bit of time to uh to get them going. But yeah boys, another uh, another good show. Thanks to Jeff Audres for joining us. And next week we got another Sasky legend lined up and uh yeah looking forward to to keeping this going yeah, it was a good show, boys. Uh, Audrey was fantastic. Sean Kindop, thanks for your input again this week. You did great. Uh, Boz, you got more to say. I was just uh, wanted to end it by reminding people, or I guess asking a favor to our listeners, if you could uh, like us, subscribe to us on uh, the podcast page, and leave a, a rating and a comment. That would go a long way. And sorry to remember, Boz, we got to mention to people, if they want to hear more Fran Moran, it's easy to hear more Fran Moran. Go to Spotify, Apple Music, and download Fran Moran and the Nervous Rex, and you can listen to all their tunes right there. Have a good weekend. The people ask you if they want to go do something in life, to say, why wouldn't a guy? Or why wouldn't a girl? What you gonna do when the world stops beating? What you gonna do when your heart stops beating? Yeah.